sacrifices take many forms. Sometimes they entail a friend having the last slice of pizza, and other times they entail giving up your entire source of income and risking your life to fight tyranny. In Myanmar, citizens are engaged in the latter form of sacrifice, uniting in the streets to bravely protest the return of military rule. The February 2021 coup overturned a fragile system of quasi-democracy in Myanmar that had developed throughout the 2010s. This abrupt takeover received widespread condemnation, both internationally and domestically. That covers just about everybody. Garment workers, especially the union leaders, have placed themselves on the front lines of the protests and are calling on global brands that manufacture in Myanmar to provide support. Welcome to Purchase Powered, a current affairs podcast that exposes cases of inhumanity in our global supply chains. Here, we will learn about the latest and greatest abuses of workers' rights across the globe and how we as consumers are connected to these issues. Today is April 17th. 2021. Garment workers have joined forces to oppose the military regime with workers of railways, hospitals, banks, amongst other industries, and what has been dubbed the Civil Disobedience Movement, or CDM. This Motley crew is calling upon the international community to enact comprehensive sanctions. They have acknowledged that sanctions could result in massive layoffs for the working class, and they are prepared for this outcome. It is going to get worse before it gets better. To take down the military regime, they intend to sabotage the economy. Unemployment in the short term is better than living under dictatorship in the long run. Garment workers have placed themselves squarely at the center of the national general strike. Before the coup, this industry was rife with exploitation, low wages, long hours, union busting, and chronic workplace harassment. <sighs> These were all issues that unions were working to combat. The return of military rule etches in stone an even worse fortune for garment workers. The loss of any protection for workers' rights that union leaders have worked so hard to obtain. Tintin Wee is the leader of a union called the Federation of Garment Workers in Myanmar and has been a garment worker since age 13. She explains, If we go back to work, and if we work for the system, our fortune is in the darkness, and we will lose our labor rights and even our human rights. Unions have without rest campaigned for workers' rights, and now they are utilizing that activism know-how in the national arena to fight for a cause with even greater stakes, fundamental human rights. They are frying some of the largest fish known to man. The military is keenly aware that the union workers leading the protests are a threat to their power and have taken actions to eliminate that threat. One harrowing example of this was on March 14th, 2021, when the military drove hundreds of tanks into the main garment zone district in Yangon. They trapped employees inside and fatally shot dozens of workers. All garment workers in Myanmar are vulnerable to these ruthless attacks. 
they fear for their lives, and many have fled the city for the safety of rural areas where they don't have an income and are hungry. Workers risk every day getting shot on their way to work. Even with their safety on the line, activists carry on undeterred. Mo Sandar Mint is a union leader for garment workers whose home was raided shortly following the coup. She managed to dodge her persecutors and has been on the run ever since. She leads protests by day and hides by night. She explains, During the night, I must work on strategy, how to strike, where to protest, and then send invitations to workers, when, where, and how we will take action against this military dictatorship. Her operations are covert and stealthy. She'd be the perfect CIA agent. If only the CIA didn't work in the business of propping up dictatorships. It was almost a perfect career match. The strike has come at a high cost to workers. While attending manifestations, these workers are not receiving their pay. Zilch, goose egg, spaghetti-o. While some benevolent landlords have forgiven missed rents, many workers have been evicted from their homes while on strike. This sacrifice is particularly poignant when considering the paltry income of this group. A November 2020 study found that income-based poverty was on the rise, with the number of people earning less than $1.90 a day tripling to 63% of the population since the onset of the pandemic. Myanmar is known for its low wages in comparison to other parts of the region. On top of that, workers often share their paycheck with family members. This trend was fueled by a cyclone that in 2008 killed around 138,000 people and left 2.5 million homeless. Thousands of people migrated from rural areas to the capital city of Yangon in search for work after the storm. 76% of the country's garment workers are young women who have made the move from rural Myanmar to Yangon. The remittances they send to their families often amount to up to half their income. Thus, sharing an already meager wage constitutes a hindrance to affording necessities like safe housing and medical care and a good burrito every once in a while. Most of these women live in dorm-style housing with other garment workers and work 11 hours a day, six days a week. This does not leave them with a lot of burrito leisure time. Workers alive during the 1980s are painfully aware of the dangers of speaking out against the military. Protests against the government surfaced throughout the 1980s, but reached a boiling point on September 18, 1988, when the military took control of the government and killed thousands of unarmed protesters. Thus, their plea for international support is in part fueled by these memories. They want as many forces working in their favor as possible in order to avoid a bloodbath as devastating as that of the 1980s. However, despite best efforts, it has been impossible to sidestep the brutality of the military. The regime has been terrorizing protesters and ramping up their violent crackdowns. As a form of civil disobedience, some protesters have set ablaze to Chinese-owned factories, which they believe are in favor of the military regime. 
These factory owners are commonly unsupportive of workers, and with no flexibility expect their employees to show up to their shifts every day, despite the apparent and often fatal dangers of doing so. The military responded to the fires by shooting at crowds indiscriminately. Over 200 perished. Thousands of workers and their families fled following the incident. Some factory owners have resorted to extremes to put a lid on the activist frenzy of their employees. Allegations surfaced that a thousand garment workers were locked up in a GY Sen factory, a factory where Primark manufactures. They did so to prevent them from attending pro-democracy protests. 20 employees that did attend were fired. It was a tough Thursday. Primark issued a response saying that it would investigate the issue and not place further orders until it reviewed the results of the investigation. Myanmar recently was burdened with heavy sanctions from the US and EU that began in the 1990s and intensified in 2003. After some progress was made towards democratic reform in 2012, sanctions were lifted. The disappearance of the sanctions was a heaven sent for the garment industry. Annual textile and apparel exports skyrocketed 500% between 2002 and 2018, from 900 million to 4.49 billion. You keep losing the socks, they keep making them. Thus, if a full array of sanctions were to be levied against Myanmar, all the progress that was made over the past decade would rapidly reverse in this industry. The imposition of sanctions will alter brands' long-term plans to manufacture in Myanmar. Brands are wary of political instability, and Myanmar, in its current state, is more unstable than a Teletubby on a balance beam. There is no panacea for workers in the short run. However, workers believe that retailers manufacturing in Myanmar have the power to offer help to workers. Garment workers have three main demands of retailers. One, they must encourage their suppliers to support workers' rights to participate in the civil disobedience movement. This entails allowing workers to take leave for as long as necessary in order to protect their own safety or to participate in protests without reprisal. Number two, brands need to put a hold on orders from factories supporting the military regime. Number three, brands need to make sure workers' wages and severances are paid. Western retailers have a murky understanding at best about the best path forward. If they stop supplying in Myanmar, for the time being, that will deal a heavy blow to factories and lead to potential job loss. Shifting production elsewhere now and shifting it back to Myanmar if the military regime steps down brings its own set of logistical challenges. The response, by and large, has been mixed. H&M was the first to take decisive action, announcing in early March that they would be suspending all new orders an Italian retailer Benetton Group later followed suit. Mango, a Spanish brand, said that it would collaborate with trade and union partners to prevent retaliation against employees for participating in a union or exercising civil rights. Other brands, like Zara, CNA, and L.L. Bean have publicly denounced the coup, but have not taken concrete actions. L.L. Bean CEO Steve Smith commented that he was disheartened 
by the events transpiring in Myanmar, but that it was important not to abandon his suppliers. The American Apparel and Footwear Association and the Fair Labor Association have recommended that brands honor existing contracts. Many brands have postponed making final decisions until they see how the political situation evolves. Mo Sandarman of the Federation of Garment Workers in Myanmar said, brands aren't doing enough to help workers. She wants to see concrete action. Garment workers have long been used for cheap labor in Myanmar. The hard labor they endure six days a week for very little pay helps brands reach their targets each month. Garment workers are now asking for something in return. Often, the demands of garment workers are willfully dismissed by big brands without a hint of remorse. However, brands are feeling heightened pressure to respond appropriately to the situation because of the international media attention the coup has garnered. The world is watching. Many are tiptoeing, declining to offer any real help or support to garment workers while issuing denouncements of the military regime to save face. Considering the novelty of the circumstances, insecurity over the proper response is expected. Many brands, despite corporate reports boasting ethical treatment of workers across their supply chain, lack real experience stepping in on behalf of workers. They may not have built strong relationships with their suppliers and aren't accustomed to being assertive about defending union workers' rights. They are more familiar with corrective rather than proactive action. The workers' demand for further support is clear. And if there is confusion over how to best provide that support, engagement and discourse with the suppliers and the unions is a great place to start. If efforts to contact these groups are frustrated, brands should consult with leading advocacy organizations that specialize in labor rights. Garment workers are risking their lives to stand up for liberty or just to go to work. And while the proper response to the coup for brands is complicated, it's certainly worth taking a deep dive into the actions that they could take to support their workers. The workers deserve it.